the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along today for the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. I'm telling you, I mean, you hear so many stories of God's faithfulness and how amazing God is. I just, we're happy to be part of this and yeah. to uh, tell you stories and to be part of those stories. And uh, God is incredible, just mm-hmm. amazing. So... Thanks for coming along today for the ride home. A gorgeous, a gorgeous late spring day. Isn't it fabulous out there, Kath? I feel huh? like it's April. It's like a nice day in April. Man, it sure is. High of 75 degrees. It's sunny. Yeah. I mean, I was. I met a friend today for lunch in uh, Squirrel Hill and was driving on the parkway. I'm like, it's June. Is it June 16th? Mm-hmm. And it, it was is. like 74 degrees. It was like, oh, this is this is like the peak. Of, I know. Uh, you know? It's absolutely Just great fabulous. in western yeah. Pennsylvania. It's very, very good. Absolutely great. So thanks for being with us today. Uh, it is a very busy day. The, uh, the news feeds are all at uh, Twitter yeah. uh, about uh, President Biden meeting uh, Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure that we'll hear lots more about that, of course. Uh, I wonder, does it mean anything? I mean, you know, does it affect us? I mean, uh, well, I, 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 right? I mean, I don't know if it affects us. I think I always say that local politics is the thing that goes to the very bottom of our pile right. of news things, but it's the thing that affects us most. Yeah. So if you're talking about the thing that gets the most attention that affects us the least, that's the national stuff. The gigantic international stuff. Yeah, sure, sure. Anyway. All right. So speaking of news, Kath, uh, you always give us the top uh, news stories of the day as we get the the show underway. So without further ado, please give us the top four at four. All righty. Here it comes for Wednesday, June 16th, 2021. Number one. The European Union, as you might have heard at the top of the news hour, agreed to open the door to American tourists for the first time since the pandemic began, giving a boost to the continent's crucial tourism industry and America's American summer travel options. I like this. I like to think of a summer travel option. According to the Wall Street Journal, just today the EU added the U.S. to the white list of countries from where tourists can enter. After the measure is rubber stamped at an EU meeting in Brussels on Friday, Americans will be free to visit Europe for the first time since March of last year. Really? That's so cool. Bring it. Some EU countries, heavily dependent on tourism, including Italy and Greece, have already opened to Americans. Mediterranean countries would struggle to absorb another summer with few foreign tourists after last year's costly lockdowns. In Italy, Greece, and France all suffered gross domestic product declines of more than 8% last year. Spain's economy shrank by 11%. How about that? Uh, Japan, Australia, Israel, several other countries are already on the EU whitelist. Countries added this week with the U.S. include Serbia and Lebanon. Sounds like you probably will need a uh, proof of vaccination to get into those countries. We've got a friend who's uh, currently in Africa, right? All of a sudden, I look on Facebook the other night, and he's in Africa. I yeah. was like, "Tell us you're going on a trip, maybe." Eddie, he's got these books, and he's you know he's traveling around the world. Okay, that's very cool. Number two, 
Also from today's journal, reports in that the COVID-19 virus infected people in five U.S. states in December of 2019. What? Uh Uh-huh. Before those states reported their first cases, according to a large new government study, providing new insights into the first unseen weeks of the pandemic. Scientists analyzing blood samples taken for an NIH research program identified several people in states from Mississippi to Wisconsin to right here in PA who were infected with the new virus days or weeks before the first cases were confirmed anywhere else. About that. And incidentally, I believe my husband was one of those people. No kidding. We've talked about that before. Number three, the Southern Baptist Convention elected Ed Litton as its president yesterday, signaling a defeat for the hard right within the nation's largest Protestant denomination. Sarah Pulliam Bailey reports in today's Washington Post that Litton narrowly defeated Mike Stone, the favored candidate of the far right. For the past few years, the convention has been mired in debates over racism, politics, sexual misconduct, you name it. The election took place in Nashville yesterday. In recent weeks, as leaked letters and backroom deals dominated conversations among Southern Baptists, Litton, first or pastor of First Baptist Church North Mobile in Alabama, hmm. pitched himself as someone who would lead the convention toward more racial reconciliation. Fred Luter, the first and only black pastor to serve as president, nominated Litton for the position. Now listen, I got a good quote for you here. J.D. Greer, the outgoing president, added that for justice in society to take place, this is what he said we need, quote, robust, careful, Bibles open, on our knees discussions about it. Justice is a major theme in our Bibles, and so of course Satan, the angel of light, is going to produce counterfeits for it and on this we need to ensure we are more shaped by the scriptures than we are by the world (laughs) that's great and number four looks like a previously planned office complex in the north shore right here in pittsburgh is being revised to become a residential one instead because of what happened during COVID 19 Pittsburgh Stadium Authority board members unanimously voted today, according to the Trib, to give Columbus, no, I'm sorry, this is the PG, to give Columbus-based continental real estate companies until June 25th to get started on the project that will be built at the corner of North Shore Drive and Mazeroski Way. Hmm. So, like, right there by... um, by PNC Park. The developer decided to scuttle the office complex idea because so few people went to work during COVID-19 that he was like, maybe this is a bad idea, right? Instead, the new residential building will be at least six stories and will likely involve apartments, not condos. The number of units has yet to be determined. And that is your top four at four. I feel like I would like to live there. I like that very much. Don't, doesn't that sound like yeah, a good idea to you? It's a great location uh-huh. to be, right? I wonder if it will have views inside the park, right? If well, I bet it would if you're up on a, I mean, yeah. if you're up six stories, you could see inside the park. I wonder, you know, if Major League Baseball and the Pirates would have put a kibosh on that. Like, you know, they would have balconies overlooking the stadium. Well, what, or you'd have to pay extra for it. You'd have to I pay like a licensing contract. Well, you know, like at Wrigley Field, there are many people who had those rooftop views and Major League Baseball, you know, try to, you know, own that. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I did not know that, and that is so lousy. Another reason for me to hate Major League Baseball. Right. I mean, I uh, love the Pirates, but they got to get, I mean. The Pirates. Those who have lost nine straight games. Boy, they're bad. They're they, so bad. It's a bad team, of course. They, so I'm, I'm listening to the first inning last night. Yeah. Once we got out of the first inning, I was like, I'm out. No, forget. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, if you follow baseball, even if you, you know, you like it just a little bit, there's been an increasing chorus of let the the nuttings please won't you sell the team yeah. bob nutting sell the team right. if you it's don't, a great baseball if you town. don't want if you don't want to play the game get rid of it then, right 
Just get rid of the game, mm-hmm. all right, please. But he's making money. And I you am. know why he's making money? Because that's how Major League Baseball has it set up. Okay, so would you... And until you, the MLB fixes it, why would Bob Nunning sell the team? Then would you choose to boycott the Pirates? So Absolutely not. Now, see, then you're just feeding into the... So I'm inconsistent. What it is. That's yeah. a big shock to all of you guys. Right. Come on, I do the best I can, but I am, you know, all right. falling. All right, uh, I let's take love a break. the Buckos, and you wouldn't either. You got, come on, you're not boycotting. Well, you the know team. what? If it would, if my absence, and of course it's not going to make a difference, but if my absence did make a difference that the Nuttings would sell a team, I would definitely stay away, happily, gladly. Okay, well, so would everybody if we knew that. But when you do a boycott, you don't know that. Right. So uh, the fact is, I, I just, I don't see that there's any financial incentive for anybody to run the team any better than it currently is the way they have it set no, up. I mean, until they cap. get, until they get a salary cap and revenue sharing, there's no point. Which is not going to happen. There's no point. Such so as baseball. Okay, we'll take a quick break. When we do come back, we're going to speak to a Native American. Uh, Robert Soto is with us. This is a fascinating us. story coming up. The Reverend Robert Soto is with us. I didn't become an Apache. I was born an Apache. That's straight ahead. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. We are here on 101.5 Word FM, WORD. WORD, Dr. Michael Youssef. Happiness comes when you obey the Word of God, and the Word of God says to wives, submit to their husbands. And that means, wives, that you don't try to compete with your husband, but rather that you would encourage him to occupy his proper place as the head of the wife. Be challenged this week on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. Impact Mortgage Corp. TV, Cash Call Mortgage, NMLS ID, 1282-31, Glassing Lender, not licensed in all states, including New York. Offer based on loans over $250,000. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. What's better than a mortgage interest rate and APR in the twos? How about a no-closing-cost mortgage loan with an interest rate and APR in the twos? That's right. We have no closing cost loans here at Cash Call Mortgage. We pay the title, escrow, and appraisal fees. So if you're looking to save a little cash on your monthly mortgage payment, call Cash Call Mortgage today. Our quotes are always free. If your mortgage rate APR is not in the twos, Cash Call Mortgage could lower your interest rate and save you some cash. What are you waiting for? With low rates and no closing cost options, now is the time to refinance your mortgage. For a free quote to see if you qualify, go to CashCallMortgage.com or call us today. Call 800-931-6651. That's 800-931-6651. 800-931-6651. Are you a successful advertising sales professional? Are you happy with your current company? I'm Mike Reed, Senior Vice President of Salem Media Representatives. 2020 was a record year for our company, and that momentum has carried over to this year. As a result, we are looking to expand our sales team. Each day, our national marketing strategists work with CEOs, chief marketing officers, ad agency executives, and buyers to construct successful multimedia ad campaigns. Salem Media Representatives represents hundreds of radio stations, including several of America's largest contemporary Christian music stations, the Salem Radio Network talk shows, and the Salem Podcast and Influencer Networks. Our national marketing strategists enjoy a competitive yet positive management-supportive environment and a competitive compensation package. If you're a successful advertising sales professional, let's talk. Email us your resume at sales at salemreps.com. That's sales at salemreps.com. 
Salem Media Representatives is a division of Salem Media Group, an equal opportunity employer. Don't let pests scare off your returning customers. Get the help you need at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly or quarterly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Booze 100% Satisfaction Guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Welcome back. It's the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Glad you're along. If you're listening on the radio, we're happy to have you. If you're listening online, we're happy to have you. And if you're watching the live stream on Facebook, we're also happy to have you. If you've never watched the live stream, you can do it right now. 101.5 Word FM on Facebook or The Ride Home with John and Kathy, either one. And uh, you can watch the program today as we welcome in the Reverend Robert Soto. Uh, Robert is a descendant of the Lipon Apaches. He's the pastor of McAllen Grace Brethren Church and three other Native American congregations in Texas. His Indian dancing, which we'll talk about in a little bit, has taken him all over the world to share the message of hope through Jesus Christ. We're thrilled to have him with us today. Robert, welcome to the ride home. Well, nice to be here. Yeah, it's our pleasure, uh, Reverend. Really, it's interesting. Uh, let's talk about uh, Native Americans. Uh, you know, here in Western Pennsylvania, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but I guarantee you it's a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of Native Americans who live uh, in the area that we're currently in. And so it's no surprise that you would know this, that we really don't know any Native Americans. It's something that's not part of our everyday experience. Right. Well, they're 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 there. I've, I've been to gatherings in um, oh Harris Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Lillowitz, Pennsylvania, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been to some of those gatherings there, and, and you you find them. They're just kind of scattered around, uh, more of urban Indians, and they live in the city, and so not really in the reservation. Yes. Okay. So, Reverend, we're looking at uh, this uh, winter edition of Comment Magazine, where you sat down with uh, Brian Dykema of Comment, right. and you had a, a long conversation. It's a fascinating conversation. And, and so you, in this article, you say, I didn't become an Apache. I was born an Apache. You're located uh, currently where? Uh, I live in a town called McAllen, Texas. It's been the news a lot because that's where a, a lot of the border crisis is happening, right, because I live seven miles from the Mexican border. And uh, and that's in extreme South Texas. I see. So, so what draws us together is our faithfulness and our knowledge of Christ in our lives. But, of course, for a lot of people, and I'll say myself included, it has not always been that way in my life. So uh, would you take some time and tell the story of you as a young man, a young boy, and then in a young man, and how it is that you looked at Jesus initially and then how essentially you came to Christ? Well, it's, it's kind of one of those long journeys of faith that almost took, but well, I was in second grade when I first started seeking God. I know that's kind of uh, difficult to believe that a second grader would start seeking God, but when I was a second grader, yeah. my best friend in PE died in front of me. Uh, he had a, a massive stroke, he was a second grader too, and I saw the very first person in my life that ever died right in front of me. So I started questioning a lot of things about death, and of course, my family were not Christians, uh, we were very traditional people. Uh, and, and all they could do is just try their best to bring some kind of peace and comfort into my life, which, of course, didn't, didn't satisfy. And so, so that started my, my journey, my, 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 what I call my 12-year uh, journey of quest for, for to find the truth, whatever the truth might be. Um, I tried a lot of things along the road. Um, we were brought up very traditionally as, Apache, as an Apache family, so I tried a lot of our Apache traditions. 
Um, I tried Christianity. And I did that in the form of Catholicism. Um, again, I, I just was getting nowhere as far as the answers are concerned. I, I, want, I never wanted to see death again. And, but yet when I was um, 17 years old, uh, my, da- my father died. Uh, he, I was the oldest of nine, so we're a large family. And, and I was just totally devastated because I, I used to ask God that I didn't, I don't, I didn't want to face death anymore, mm-hmm. that, that if anybody was going to die, it was going to be me because I didn't want to face death anymore. And so uh, it, we struggled um, because here's a, a single mom, uh, not very well educated, didn't have a job, just being a housewife, taking care of nine of us. And, and, and because we had, my dad left us with a piece of land, uh, 20 acres, they considered us rich. And so we really didn't qualify for any kind of governmental program because anything we tried, so well, you got too much money, you're worth too much. And, and so we, we struggled on our own. We, we, uh, long story short, when I was a sophomore in college, uh, our whole world crashed. We're losing everything. You know, when we say we're losing the farm to taxes, that's exactly what's happening. Really? We're losing the farm and... Um, and and we just I had nowhere to go. We had nowhere to go, and and I'm the oldest, and and I you know I felt like the burden fell on my shoulders, and and so uh, I, I became very bitter, very bitter against God because it seemed like the more the more I prayed, the less He listened to me, and the worse things got, and and, and finally it's, it was like in April of 1973, a long time ago. Uh, out of frustration, I went to the middle of my land. There was a little piece of piece of a, a little a pond there where I spent hours of meditation and prayer and I and I just said God he goes if you really exist you come to you reveal yourself to me right now we have a lot to talk about and and I just can't stand it anymore I had already I said the suicide twice and thank God it didn't work and um I, I was just as low as low can be I was 21 years old um, I had been engaged, and my fiance left me, and I, I was devastated. So I was just everything. Everything was falling apart. And, but but as I, I, the next day, that's one of the things I needed was employment. Uh, I met a friend, and, and he gave me a job. But I, I, I didn't know that I was falling into a Christian's den. I didn't know that. I, I actually, I didn't even know what a Christian was, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't realize that everybody that I was about to meet, was totally 100% religious. I mean, like, it would drive me nuts every day, quoting Bible verses. And, 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 of course, the more I heard about the Bible, the more frustrated I got, the more angry I got, because I would tell them, God doesn't exist. There is no such thing as God. And if there is a guy, he doesn't really care about me. And long story short, at the, uh, at the end of the summer, um, I said I was already a sophomore in college. Uh, there was this youth conference, and, I was told to go to a youth conference. Most of the guys going my age were counselors. Um, but this girl uh, talked me into going, and I went to this youth conference, and, in which I was totally bored because all they were, it was in South Florida, Hollywood, Florida. And the only reason I went was because if I went, they promised me a free trip to, to Disney World. I think it's Disney World in Florida. It's not bad. And, and, and I went just because I wanted to meet Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, which I did. I shook the hand. <laughs> And I took somewhere. There's a picture of me and Mr. and Mrs. Mouse, and that's all I really wanted. And, and the whole trip, and if, if that's all I got from this trip, I was going to be totally satisfied. That's funny. Um, but I went to the youth conference, and of course, it was boring because all they were talking about Bible, 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 God, 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 happy, happy, happy. And I was just miserable. I was a drug addict. I was, I didn't bring anything with me. I was going through withdrawals, and I was shaking and sweating, and slight fever, and. And, and one, one morning, was Tuesday morning, July the 26th uh, of 1973, the speaker gets up and says, my name is uh, Dr. Stanford. 
I am a Native American. Uh, you guys took my land. So what I want you to do is pack up your bags and go back to Europe. <laughs> and, and, and I said, now, that's my kind of speaker. Finally, <laughs> we got a real speaker here that's going to tell us the truth of how miserable life is. And, and, you know, because I was all mad at the white man. I was all mad at everybody. I mean, everybody was my enemy. I, I didn't have no friends, you know. And, and at the end of this little speech introduction, he said, uh, give me an hour of your time. I said, if I can't convince you to, be, to believe like I believe in one hour, uh, you got the rest of the week to do whatever you want. You can, you can, as long as you leave after six and return at midnight. And I already knew where all the, the hot spots are along. It was along Miami Beach, and you every, I already met people, I already talked to people, and and I said, okay, I'm gonna listen to you for one hour, and it's party time. <laughs> You're not gonna see me here anymore, you know, and. Uh, and 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 some people don't realize that a, a that a, a true Apache uh, who follows us is always he never lies. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Even if it kills him, he's going to do it. And I promise this man that I will listen to him and give him my full attention for one hour. And 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 it just totally surprised me in that one hour. Just the things that were coming out. Just about. The love of Christ and how He died on the cross and He paid for my sins and 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 he, and, he, and and I, I it was all foreign to me. I, I I didn't understand that kind of love. And 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 finally, um, uh, at the end of the, the sermon, says he, he says he came down to it and said, "What it really comes down to is really up to you and your faith. What are you going to do with it?" It says, "I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ." And and I um I said and I said um. And, and, and if you want to do that this morning, um, all you have to do is just say this little prayer. So the prayer doesn't save you. It's your faith in Christ. Just say this little prayer. And just believe that he died on the cross and he paid for your sins. And when Sharon hanging on the cross, he paid for your sins as far as he is from the West. And he forgives them, and he gives you the right to enter into heaven and have eternal life. And, and it all made sense to me. I'm mean, just right there. The Bible verses all came. What he was saying made sense. And I would tell people it took one of my own kind uh, to eventually show me that natives could be Christians. That's interesting. So we're talking with Reverend Robert Soto. He's a Native American from the Apache tribe. So that's really interesting, uh, Robert, because I was wondering, what is it? I mean, when you, after the fact that you accepted Christ in your life and you told family and friends that you were a Christian, were many, you know, in your community, in the Native American community, were they like, that's the white man's religion, you're making a mistake? I, I have never seen so much chaos among my friends, family, and tribal members. It seems like I committed the ultimate sin, huh. uh, like I joined a cult. And, and it seems, when I, when I, I mean, I had joy and I had peace, and I knew that I was going to have problems. I didn't know I was going to have business problems. And, and basically, I just felt that alone because uh, they, they accused me of being in the cult, they accused me of... Uh, following a false religion, uh, you know, and 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 my, my mom was couldn't sleep at night because she thought I was going to commit suicide because I joined some kind of cult. Um, my uncles and aunts kept talking to me and saying, "Hey, you need to leave this before it's too late." And 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 and, and honestly, it was one of the most uh, <laughs> miserable times. If, if I was depending on the spirit and depending on uh, uh, I call it, um, happiness.
happiness like the world, a worldly happiness, I, I would have been the most miserable person because I had no friends. Right. Okay, so that was 1973, Reverend Soto. Now, uh, obviously, you're Reverend, so you've gone to seminary and uh, you've um, you've grown as a believer. And uh, here you are, decades later, uh, talking on Christian radio about what it is to follow Jesus. So I, I would say that generally things have worked out fine. It, well, it was a very difficult trail. And I had a lot to prove that I wasn't the same. Well, I was the same crazy guy, but I had a, a, different, a different spirit controlling me that was no longer being controlled by the spirit of this world, yeah. but it's being controlled by the spirit of God. And uh, and it, it took a long time. It took a long time to win my mom to the Lord. It took a, it, it, it was a little easier with my brothers and sisters because they were younger than me, uh, but some of them struggled with this whole issue of Christianity. Yes. Um, it took a long time to for people to see that. That this was not a fly-by-night thing. Mm-hmm. This was a, when, when, when I told a guy I was going to listen, that native man that I was going to listen to one hour of my, I give him my complete hour. I gave him my complete hour, and and just the, the way he presented the gospel was so just so clear and so simple that you know, like you said at the end, it'd be a fool if you don't accept it. Right. And and I accepted it, and I wanted everybody to receive the same kind of joy and peace that I had. Mm-hmm. Robert, uh, we only have a couple minutes left, so this is going to have to be a short answer, but. Uh, I, I, w- I was really touched in the part of your story about how difficult it was for you as a Native American to hear white people um, talk about their religion. And so I guess what I'm asking is, what would you say to white people now who you know might have relationship? You know, people listen to us from all over the country. Um, people who might have relationships with Native Americans, they want to share their faith, and you know, obviously, we want to do it in a way that's real, in a way that's kind, in a way that's helpful. Um, what would you say? What what advice would you give? I think that the best advice I can give anybody, and I did give this advice to many churches, is to when we deal with uh, um, with our people, and no matter what tribe that you make it a long-term commitment. Don't go in there and give blankets and hugs and say, now we're telling you we're sorry for the horrible things we did to you. Let your actions prove what your words say. Mm, and and show the Native community that, uh, and, and that's what, I think that's the reason I stuck to it, because it, it, it wasn't so much, well, yeah, you know what, I got criticized, and, and no, you know, I went to a church where I was the only Native, in the whole church, and they, they didn't quite know how to handle me. And it took a while for them to figure out, you know, uh, how to talk to me. But it, but it, but there was a whole thing of a long-term commitment. No matter no matter what happened in my life, no matter what I did, and how much I, I messed it up sometimes, you know, the, 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 the believers were always there, there for me. They were always holding my hand, and they were always carrying me on. Fascinating. Well, Reverend, we thank you for being with us. It's just yeah, a sure. tiny little slice of this uh, larger, much more deeper story. Uh, let's make a future date, and please, won't you join us again? Uh, any Anytime, just give me a call. Fabulous. Reverend Robert Soto, he is uh, born in Apache uh, as a pastor with the Apache Nation uh the Lapan tribe, and uh, just fascinating. We picked this up from Comet Magazine in the winter section of Comet Magazine. Brian Dykema had a, a larger conversation as well. We'll take a, a quick break, come back. We're just getting underway. It's the 4 o'clock hour of the Ride Home with John and Kathy. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk here on Word FM.
it's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement offer valid through June 30th. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That is windowsruspittsburgh.com. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Why doing it right roofing, siding, and remodeling? As an Owens Corning Roofing Platinum Preferred Contractor, it's simple. It's in their name. They're doing it right, and it's what you'd expect as a homeowner and what they intend to deliver. Call 724-NEW-ROOF. Want it done right? Call doing it right. Liberty. Nobody should have to pay for one-size-fits-all insurance coverage. Liberty Mutual customizes your car and home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Craig Schweiger's weekly show, Home is Where the Heart Is, will introduce you to the Ligonier Camping Conference Center. Executive Director Patrick Myers will join Craig and talk about their 100-year history and why they welcome over 8,000 guests per year. Federated Reverse Mortgage guides seniors with valuable information to help them stay in their homes and enjoy a more comfortable retirement. Plan to wake up at 7 a.m. Saturday for an informative show for seniors and their families. Home is Where the Heart Is, where mortgage meets ministry. Saturday mornings at 7 on 101.5 FM WORD. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app by heart, tune in, and at radio.com. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. In our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. Discount deals just in time for birthdays, special occasions, or just because. And all from the comfort of your own computer or smartphone. Great deals and awesome savings. Log on now to wordfm.com, keyword shopping. Clear and cool tonight. The jacket may come in handy. We'll see a low tonight of 46. For tomorrow, brilliant sunshine, a nice day on tap. Great day to be outside. We'll see a high of 76. Partly cloudy skies for tomorrow night with a low of 57. We'll see increasing cloudiness for Friday. We'll reach a high Friday of 79. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. 
economic engine of sports in this world is just it's amazing. Really, it's amazing. So whether you're a sports fan or not, you've you got to follow along with some of these stories. With one word, Portugal star Cristiano Ronaldo caused Coca-Cola to lose $4 billion of its market value, according to ESPN's Ariana Garcia. Ronaldo was preparing to begin a press conference when he innocently removed two Coke bottles from the table, lifted a bottle of water, and said agua in his native Portuguese. That apparently was enough for Coca-Cola's value to fall from $242 billion to $238 billion. Because he said, I prefer water. Right. That was he, it. That's he all touched it the Coke, moved the bottles, and said agua. Coca-Cola remained diplomatic. They say, quote, Everyone is entitled to their drink preferences, the company said in a statement. $4 billion I mean, dropping as you lose two <laughs> bottles of Coke. I can't believe it. Agua. All right. So, That's power. Yeah. So Forbes.com released yesterday um, their list of the world's highest paid athletes for 2020. And so I, I was surprised by several of the people on this list. Really? And so I'm going to read them to you now. Okay, you can fine, tell yeah. me if you're – okay. So, so uh, they, um, they segregate – the uh, income they receive on the field and off the field. Sure, okay? because, because a lot of people make more money exactly. off the field than on the field. Exactly. Right. Okay, so number 10 is Kevin Durant um, of the Nets, who had a rather spectacular game last he's night. He's an NBA star. Yes, he is right. an NBA star from the United States. He's 32 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, his total income, if you combine on the field and off the field, is $75 million. Okay, okay. very fine figure. Tom Brady is number nine. Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, uh, he's, of course, in the United States. He's 43 years old mm-hmm. and plays football for Tampa Bay. Uh, his total compensation is $76 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, was on, it last year? That was last year, okay. 2020. One year alone. Yeah. Number eight, Lewis Hamilton, Formula One. Oh, that's cool. Now, it doesn't that surprise you that it's no, that high? No, Formula One is a gigantic sport it worldwide. Is. It is. It just surprised me that he was top 10. Uh-huh. Uh, he's from the UK. He's 36 years old. Uh, $82 million is his year, was his yearly compensation for okay. 2020. Number seven, Roger Federer. Yeah, makes One sense. of the world's historically great tennis players from Switzerland. He's time. 39 years old. Um, on the field, he only... In the past year, because you know he's thirty-nine years old, only point oh three million. Really? Okay. Pittance by comparison. Off the field, ninety million dollars wow. so in he's endorsements. People for Nike, right? And or, he's selling watches exactly. and water and yogurt. Right. That's and, exactly what it is. Yeah, Can sure. you believe that? That's Holy cool. cow! Okay, uh, Neymar is number six. Neymar is, is a soccer star. Okay. He's twenty-nine years old from Brazil. Ninety-five million dollars nice. for Neymar. Okay, good job, Neymar. On the field, now he's the opposite of Roger Federer. On the field, he earns seventy-six million dollars. That's his contract. Only nineteen for endorsements. Um, number five is LeBron, mm-hmm. thirty-six years old from the U.S. Of course, Makes sense. Uh, he on the field only. Brings in thirty-one and a half million, but sixty-five million in endorsements. Big cash. Okay, number four, Dak Prescott from the Dallas Cowboys. What? I mean, that is just absolutely bizarre. Um, but his new contract, uh, it ninety-seven and a half million dollars. Mm. Now, how's he done as the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys? Not too good. Not not too good. Not too okay, good. but he got a sixty-six million dollar signing bonus. Nice. Number three, Cristiano Ronaldo, who we just spoke of, from Portugal, 36 years old, $120 million. Number two, Lionel Messi, also a soccer star from Argentina, age 33, 
$130 million, and the number one highest paid athlete in the world in 2020. Do you have a guess? Mm. Uh, Gregory Polanco? <laughs> First of all, it's funny. Second of all, wrong. Connor McGregor, MMA. Ah. Okay. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. From Ireland. Boom. 32 years old. A hundred and eighty million dollars. So twenty-two million dollars came in the ring. A hundred and fifty-eight wow. million dollars in endorsements. Listen, those guys in the ring—that's a brutal sport. Me? Those guys. I, how earn can it. does that surprise you? No. How can that not surprise you? Uh, listen, th- I can't believe MMA. That an thing, MMA star is the number one highest-paid athlete in the whole world. No, I get that. I mean, I I've, I know kids as young as twelve who are fans. I know men who are as old as eighty who are really? fans. So it runs across the spectrum. It really does. Well, that's fascinating. Nice. All right, Mama, don't let your children grow up to be cowboys. Have them be sports stars instead. Well, MMA right. being the one that you should go for, apparently. We'll talk about the case for analog church in a digital world. That is. Now Next, Jay Kim joins us. He's the pastor at Westgate Church. That's uh, the ride home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. WORD. And they lived happily ever after. Ever wonder if they did? (laughs) Well, marriage is not a fairy tale. It's a great adventure. That's why Family Life Today wants to give you their Love You Better plan, 30 days to love your spouse better. You'll also be entered to win a Family Life Love Like You Mean It marriage cruise with money to cover additional expenses. Enter today and every day. Go to wordfm.com slash love. Excuse me. Why don't you have life insurance yet? I've got diabetes, and I know the price will be through the roof for the pre-existing condition. Well, actually, Selectquo makes it easy to get very affordable life insurance, even if you have a health issue. I'm listening. You'll get quotes from some of the country's most trusted carriers. Even with your diabetes, you can get around $250,000 in insurance for as little as a dollar a day. That would be amazing. <laughs> What's it called again? Selectquo. Just call or go to selectquote.com to get your free quote. Get the coverage you need at a price you can afford. Call 1-800-694-1010 or go to selectquote.com today. That's 1-800-694-1010 or selectquote.com. Selectquote. We shop. You save. Get full details on example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Monthly premiums vary based on health company and other factors. Not available in all states. What are dads made for? asking myself the same question. Author Amanda Glass, creator of the Made For book series, helps kids and dads answer that question. That's what dads are made for. Is more than just a fun book with cute pictures. It's one that creates conversations that build meaningful connections. This Father's Day, help your kids connect with dad as they discover together Oh, that's what dads are made for. For kids three and up, just $9.99 when you order now at themadeforbooks.com. Don't let pests scare off your returning customers. Get the help you need at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly or quarterly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Booze 100% Satisfaction Guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. 
Learning has definitely changed these days. What hasn't changed is the unwavering support parents received from their local Christian school. Many were quick to adapt to the new normal with remote classes taught by caring teachers who pray for students and their families every day. With many schools offering half-price tuition for first-time enrollees, like Eden Christian Academy in the North Hills, it's a great time to consider Christian education. Find a school that's right for you at wordfm.com slash tuitions. I work on staff at a church, and I had a week off last Sunday, and so my family and I went to a different church. We went to uh, St. Nicholas Orthodox Church in McKees Rocks, pastored by our friend Father Tom Soroka. It was our first time to be there in worship. Um, I'd been there before for, uh, for another service, um, but I was, all of us in my family were struck dumb several times by how ancient of a service it seems how non-american how non contemporary culture it is it's 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 slow it is dark it's contemplative it's um long but it's jesus filled it's so it's so beautifully content driven scripture driven but it had there's no screen there's no um there's no praise band th- right there's no praise band there's no check in on your phone there's no anything it, you you feel like the service that you're in has been going on for a thousand years it probably has been Pastor Jay Kim is with us. He serves as lead pastor of teaching at Westgate Church and is teaching pastor at Vintage Faith Church, both in the Silicon Valley of California. He is the author of Analog Church, Why We Need Real People, Places, and Things in the Digital Age. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, Jay, I'm super excited to read your book. I haven't gotten it yet, um, but this, just the idea of analog church is something that I don't know, especially post COVID and you know, worshiping at home on YouTube is something that you know I think my soul is longing for. But did you hear the story I told of being at a um, at an Orthodox church last weekend? How different that was for me. Yes, I did. Yeah, I've had similar experiences uh, that have been formative for me as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Jay, talk about. Um, what you, what would you, what, I mean, I, I would think that my example would be something that you would label analog church. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the word analog has some elasticity of meaning, but I mean it in the most basic sense of the word analog, meaning uh, tactile embodied, the theological word for it would be incarnational. So by analog church, I mean church as a tactile embodied incarnational, shoulder-to-shoulder, in-the-flesh reality. Right. And so your book and this conversation couldn't come at a more opportune time, Pastor, because, of course, the last 15 months or so, many of us has been, have been living a digital experience. And as right. good as it was to be with you know our brothers and sisters in Christ in a digital way, boy, well, it was time to come back. There were a lot of hugs and a lot of tears, and I think that was the defining you know, the motion where you cross over that line and you think, happy to have the screen, but I need to see you eyeball to eyeball, face to face. Yeah, absolutely. I think COVID revealed that while digital technologies are an incredible tool, uh, it would have been a much more difficult year had we not had online access. 
Um, the reality is, I think, more than that, it revealed our need as embodied human beings for other embodied human beings, that there really is no substitute for the gathered church. And I, I'm seeing that more and more in my community as well. Yeah. yeah, so talk about your community, Jay. First of all, what is it like? And second of all, tell us about this re-entry period um, that we're all in, and specifically what that's looked like at your uh, worshiping community. Sure. We're, uh, you know, a somewhat large sort of multi-campus evangelical church okay. here in the San Francisco Bay Area and Silicon Valley. Um, and re-entry has been uh, strange but really beautiful. Um, similar to what you guys are describing, there have actually been lots of tears and lots of joy and sighs of relief that we've been able to get back together. And at the same time, you know, I would say at this point we probably have only about um, you know, a little less than 50% of our pre-pandemic congregation who have returned in person. Really? So we're still doing the online thing, but we communicate it to our church as a compromise, not as a convenience. We try to be very clear about that, that we're not doing online to make life more convenient. We're providing online because it's a compromise. We understand that for many people, they're not quite ready to come back for a variety of reasons. But ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, you know, your experience of this church community is going to be most rich and most full uh, when you're able to join us in person. Amen. Pastor Jay Kim is with us. He serves as lead pastor at Westgate Church. His brand new book is called Analog Church, Why We Need Real People, Places, and Things in the Digital Age. Uh, Jay, tell the story about you and your wife, Jenny, getting away for the weekend, and you check in to a place uh, where you're going to stay for the night. Yeah, um, this was several years ago for, I think, an anniversary, we drove up to Mendocino, which is along the beautiful place here in California. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. One of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And we check into this hotel that we had booked online. And uh, I walk up to this, this beautiful hotel overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And I walk up to um, the person at the desk. And I immediately, the first question I ask is, hey, what is the Wi-Fi uh you know, network here and what's the the password. And she looks at me with this sort of sweet knowing smile <laughs> and she says, Oh, you know, almost as if to say, Oh, sweet child. You oh, know, you, you poor pitiful uh, thing. Exactly. She says, there is no Wi-Fi here. In fact, you're not going to get very good phone reception here either. And then she points to this corner in the lobby and she says, but we do have some board games right down there. And, uh, so it, it was a, it was this jarring moment of being totally disconnected from the world in my online life, yeah. and it took me a little bit. You know, it was quite disorienting. But once I settled in, uh, and I was able to just really be present in the moment with my wife and this incredible view and the fresh air and uh, and just our beautiful surroundings, it actually was just such a rich, invigorating time. And so. I tell that story in the book to just remind people, you know, first and foremost, before we ever had the Internet, um, you are and always have been and always will be first and foremost, uh, dust and dirt, you know, breathed into by God and uh, mm-hmm. brought alive in a tactile way. And the more we lean into digital, um, I think the more the, the greater risk we run of losing sense 
of, uh, of embodied presence with one another. Right. Okay. So then all of us, though, right? I mean, here we are. We have been staring into the black screens of the digital abyss. I mean, it's hard to separate from that, Pastor. So when you came back and, you know, you've written about this, you know, uh, the analog church in a digital world, and there you are in, in you know, in your multi-campus churches, how do you... How do you navigate that where you mm-hmm. want to engage your congregation at the same time you see the value of the analog church, but you don't want to, you know, push away all your congregants because like all of us, you know, they're connected as well. That's a great question. Basically, I get into this in the book a little bit, but our approach has been that, you know, digital is not bad. I don't think digital technologies have an inherent morality necessarily. Sure. Yeah. I think the problem is, you know, human use or misuse or abuse of digital technology or any type of technology for that matter. So our approach has been to say digital is great for information and analog is necessary for transformation. So we still use digital. We still have, like I said, an online presence. We still have social media and all those sorts of things, but the way we leverage those tools is to inform our people. Mm. Um, but we inform them to analog opportunities. Uh, we, we inform them toward analog invitations where um, we're constantly sort of pushing and prodding our people as they are, you know, as they feel ready once they're comfortable doing so um, to show up in person as much as possible and experience uh, transformation. So I think digital technologies are fantastic tools, really, for informing people for the exchange of content and information. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just don't think that there is a substitute for the sort of transformation God wants to, to create and do in our lives. There's no yeah. substitute than um, the real thing. All right, Jay, I'm going to ask you a quick question. I'm going to ask you for a quick answer because we're short on time. What do you say to the person who is still at home because of COVID and just for emotional reasons, they just feel like they can't leave home? It's just too much. They can't engage. Um, what should what, what what should motivate them? You know, what, what would you say that would can, do you think would convince them to get back to church? Come on back. Yeah, well, I would say take one step. Take one step at a time. Maybe you're not comfortable coming back to Sunday services, and that's okay. You know, everyone has their their reasons. I would say, well, what is one thing you can do to experience embodied presence? Can you, you know, get coffee with someone in your small group? Can you go to a park with masks on and, uh, you know, a play date for your kids and stand socially distanced? Just take one step and then take another step after that and another step after that. And um, so, yeah, that would be my encouragement. Just take the next step forward. That's excellent. Hey, Jay, thanks. I mean, yeah, it's, it's been good a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Our great pleasure. Pastor Jay Kim from Westgate Church in Silicon Valley, the author of Analog Church, Why We Need Real People, Places, and Things in the Digital Age. We come back, we're going to talk about uh, the massacre at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Squirrel Hill. October of 2018, 11 people were killed. After much deliberation and thought, there is planning underway to bring new life back to the Tree of Life. We'll talk about that next. It's no secret that the Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh real estate market have exploded, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, For so long, it was easy to buy a house in our town. Really straightforward experience but not so much anymore. 
housing prices have really gone through the roof, and it's a seller's market. So if you're looking to buy, United Faith Mortgage is a great tool in your toolbox. Their direct lender advantage, really, it's everything. It gives you the necessary help and the best deal possible on a new mortgage. Plus, the family behind United Faith Mortgage, they're open about their faith, and it's evident in how they live and especially how they do business. Hundreds and hundreds of happy people living in their dream house because of the excellence of United Faith Mortgage. Look online, United Faith Mortgage. It's a good family doing the right thing. United Mortgage Court, Melvin, New York, MLS number 1330, Department of Banking, Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Are you dealing with personal or business tax issues with the IRS? Does the thought of wage garnishments, bank levies, tax penalties, or having to engage with the IRS worry you? Owing taxes to the IRS or state can be stressful, and ignoring them can make your situation worse. At Federal Tax Law Group, we help individuals and businesses reduce debts and negotiate with the IRS Fresh Start Program. Our assistance can save you from drowning in taxes and may even keep you free of prosecution. With over two decades of experience, our tax professionals understand your needs and will customize a tax solution that's in your best interest. Call Federal Tax Law Group at 800-500-9172 for a free consultation to discuss resolving your tax problem. That's 800-500-9172. Again, 800-500-9172. Or visit us online at federaltaxlawgroup.com. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's 3 p.m. For 50 million kids across America, school's out. And for a third of these kids... They're out on their own. Out with nothing to do and nowhere to go. Gives a whole new meaning to the three o'clock bell, doesn't it? It's time to support the boys and girls clubs. Visit greatfutures.org. October of 2018, a gunman walked into the Tree of Life Synagogue in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. He murdered 11 innocents, injured six others. Of course, the synagogue has been closed since. And there's been a lot of conversation about this, about what, you know, first, do we raise the building? Is the synagogue going to be raised? Or if it stays up, what happens to the synagogue? Who will worship there? What about the community input? Who will come in from the community? Well, it was announced uh, just a couple of months ago that architect Daniel Libeskind is beginning a project. He himself, Daniel Libeskind, is the um, the son of Holocaust yeah. survivors. He recently came to the city of Pittsburgh and met with uh, representatives from the Tree of Life, of course, toward the building. And now he's starting to talk about this. He says, quote, when you walk through a site of mass murder, the greatest attack on Jews in this country 
you will see the devastation. But our hope is to bring life back into the Tree of Life campus. Uh, It's not just walking through a disaster. You walk through the memory of what happened and you think, what will be here? What will this mean? What does this site tell us? Mm -hmm. So plans are underway. And the hope is by late next year that those plans will be completed and the building will stay up apparently, but there will be a reconfiguration, which will include worship places, community spaces as well. But the good news is those who are in control and who are prayerfully moving for this are having a plan that hopefully soon and very soon. So it would not be soon, I think, that the synagogue will be open, maybe three years down the road, four years perhaps. But there is movement. I mean, I drive by there at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Of course, your husband works nearby. Right across the street, yeah. I mean, and it's still a heartbreak. I can't, oh you can't gosh. drive by there and not be moved by the sight. I know. You? I know. It's just, I, as you were talking, I was just reliving that day in my mind. You know, getting the news on that Saturday and, you know, it's just the panic of, you know, my husband and the people who work there and live there. And I mean, it's just, you know, God help us. It's a lot to bear. I'm, I'm eager to see that the type of um, building that this architect is well, envisioning. Well, certainly is I believe really, good will come from really, the evil. It really sounds wonderful. In God's mercy, good will come from the evil. WORDFM, Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Play the Word, Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at Radio.com. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin concluded their summit with an agreement to return their nation's ambassadors to their post in Washington and Moscow, and a plan to begin work toward replacing the last remaining treaty between the two countries limiting nuclear weapons. President Biden held a news conference after the meeting. I made it clear to President Putin that we'll continue to raise issues of fundamental human rights, because that's what we are. That's who we are. The idea is we hold these truths self-evident that all men and women, we haven't lived up to it completely, but we've always widened the, the arc of commitment and included more and more people. This marked the last leg of the president's long European trip. The Fed meeting today, and they've decided to leave interest rates as they are. This is SRN News. Well, shockingly, and with great celebration and fanfare, another year in college has come to a close. Grove City College has weathered the storm. And unlike a lot of colleges, Grove City was committed to meeting and teaching in person. Now, of course, in this COVID era, nothing was perfect. And there were illnesses and incidences. And it was a bumpy ride. But the thousands and thousands of students at Grove City College, they made it through. So with some foresight and some wisdom, Grove City continues to meet in person. And Kath and I had students on campus at Grove City. We're proud to say our kids are Grovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, for any parent of any college student or high school student in particular, I mean, anybody, parent of any age child over the last year and a half, boy, it has been a real challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I can speak as a parent, as John said, of, of a Grove City student. And I just think, you know, when, when things are as topsy-turvy as they have been, and there's so much uncertainty, it is really a comfort 
to see that there's an organization that is so well organized, so well run, and the decisions they're making, they're doing their best that they would be godly ones. And so as a parent, all I can say is it's been a great ride in spite of COVID and the semester is almost over. GCC.edu online. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Craig Schweiger's weekly show, Home is Where the Heart Is, will introduce you to the Ligonier Camping Conference Center. Executive Director Patrick Myers will join Craig and talk about their 100-year history and why they welcome over 8,000 guests per year. Federated Reverse Mortgage guides seniors with valuable information to help them stay in their homes and enjoy a more comfortable retirement. Plan to wake up at 7 a.m. Saturday for an informative show for seniors and their families. Home is Where the Heart Is, where mortgage meets ministry. Saturday mornings at 7 on 101.5 FM WL. Clear and cool tonight. The jacket may come in handy. We'll see a low tonight of 46. For tomorrow, brilliant sunshine, a nice day on tap. Great day to be outside. We'll see a high of 76. Partly cloudy skies for tomorrow night with a low of 57. We'll see increasing cloudiness for Friday. We'll reach a high Friday of 79. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, thanks for coming along. It is the... uh... Wednesday edition of the ride home. Uh, Kath, do you look back? First of all, did you attend kindergarten? I sure did. You did? Proudly. The morning kindergarten at Highcliffe Elementary. Yeah, I was morning kindergarten. Because morning's well. best, don't you I think? I think, well, they would encourage you to be because, you know, the afternoon kids. Yeah, they were, more sla- unruly. they were slackers. I mean, you know, let's get up and get, get mm-hmm. it going, right? Plus I agree. the milk was fresher. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy your time in kindergarten? Loved kindergarten. Yeah, so did I. Miss Exley. Miss Exley. Mm-hmm. She was, became Mrs. Martin. She was married well, somewhere in the interim. confusing for a young mind. Mm-hmm. Midway through the year. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's super confusing. It really was. It threw me. I had Miss Day as my oh, kindergarten Miss teacher. Day. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so here's the deal. School districts apparently across the U.S. are preparing for for an onslaught of additional children because a lot of mothers and fathers held their kids back not going to kindergarten during covid right so now school districts are hiring additional teachers in anticipation of what will be the largest kindergarten classes perhaps ever double the load 
Right. So people who didn't want to start their kids in school last year decided to wait. Now they're going to start this year along with all the kids who are five now and would be normally starting. Right. Uh, Steve Barnett, who is senior co-director of the National Institute for Early Education Research at Rutgers University. The job of the kindergarten teacher just got a lot harder. Oh, my gosh. Like it wasn't hard to begin with. Are you kidding me? It'd be kind of fun, don't you think? Don't you think it'd be fun? Yeah, I think for one day. (laughs) It'd be really fun. Did you sit in the circle? Yes, of course we sat in the, the circle. Red, we had a red circle. Yeah. Uh, I got grounded in kindergarten. Did you, though? Mm-hmm. It's the only You're time The only time I ever got grounded. Grounded by who? The teacher by, or your by parents? By my parents. What? And, I do, and by my dad. And I don't quite remember what I did, but I think it had something to do with lying. Though it, I'm, I can't verify that. I'm not sure. In kindergarten. And I remember going to hang my coat on the little hook. Yeah. You know, these the tiny little hooks that are like oh, 18 sure. inches off. The, and I remember hanging my coat up and feeling this overwhelming sense of shame oh. that someone in the kindergarten class was going to find out that I was grounded. Uh-huh. Isn't that amazing? Okay, uh, yeah. my kindergarten memory is um, uh, we were passing out Valentines on Valentine Day, and Miss Day, she would read the person's name, and then she, uh, she gave it to me, and then I'd walk over and hand it to the person. But then, of course, I made it into a performance where I was making funny, <laughs> I was making funny faces and, and sounds. Uh-huh. Little fart sounds. Oh. <laughs> and Miss Day said, John Hall, sit down. And so the performance was taken away. That you, was my, you were vanquished. I was shamed in kindergarten as well. So. He's still trying to make up for it. In this woke That's age. A lot of sadness yes, for our I should have gone memories. home and told my mother, and then, you know, there would have been a whole brouhaha. Actually, I probably got, you know, spanked. Anyway, that's the kindergarten uh, memories. <laughs> All right, so what about. The rise of, um, we're talking about, you know, the rise of kids in kindergarten. Yeah. At the same time, I see an article, Why American Women Everywhere Are Delaying Motherhood. Yeah, this was an interesting piece in today's New York Times. And the thing that I found interesting about it is that, you know, if you go back, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, the women that were delaying having children were the women who lived in Boston, or the people who lived in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. or Chicago. The they domain were, of upper middle class. Exactly. They were upper right. middle class. They were probably from upper middle class parents. They're highly educated. Um, they spent, you know, four years or six years at MIT. And so they're going to, you know. And be part of the workforce. Exactly. Live into their career and all their potential. And then maybe they'll think about having kids when they hit 38 right. or something like that. But. This profile in the New York Times today puts a different spin on it because it talks at the beginning about someone by the name of Luz Portillo, um, the oldest daughter of, of Mexican immigrants. She has many plans. She's studying John to be a skincare expert. She's also applied to nursing school. She works full time as a nurse's aide and doing eyelash extensions. What? But one thing she, I know it's a lot. But one thing she has no plans for anytime soon is a baby. And she talks about how her mother had her when she was 16. Her dad worked as a landscaper for as long as she could remember. She wants a career and she wants more control over her life. And she keeps telling herself, I can't get pregnant. I can't get pregnant. I can't get pregnant. So now it's not the domain of women who, you know, went to Columbia and want to live into their law degree. It's women who are trying to get out of a lower income bracket. And step up. Exactly. And so both those sides, those stories you told, the result has been the slowest growth of American population since the 1930s and a profound change in American motherhood. Yeah. 
you know, as someone who had a lot of those same thoughts, you know, I, I kind of took a different path and I mean, everybody takes their own path. So it, it, but I worked, I graduated from college and I was in the workforce for a decade. Then I had my children and I stayed home for a decade and then I rejoined the workforce after that. So um, that doesn't work for everybody. I recognize that. I'm not saying that my experience was or choices were, pres- were, were, were prescriptive, but I can say this. I had a very difficult time transitioning from being in a career path to being at home with kids. Now, listen, I know your story. The difficult task was having the conversation about having a baby with your husband, <laughs> which you didn't do. I'm telling. Well, I mean, we eventually did. Eventually, but I don't know how this happened. That I married my husband, and we never talked about having kids. I can't believe that. And then that. we got married, and we were having such a good time. We never even thought about having kids. I- and then finally, after we were married for five years, I said, "So, what do you think about having kids?" And he was like, "I don't want to have kids." And really? I said, "What?" And he said, "Well, I love kids. I work with kids all day, but I don't want to have my own kids." And then. It we, hit the fan. We were at a crossroads. Uh-huh, right, right. Okay. That's so, not recommended. You should really talk about that sort of I thing in your so. premarital counseling. Right, right. We got married late, of course. You know that. Uh, six months after we got married, we were pregnant because the clock was ticking. So right. let's go. Right. Um, I don't know. Look, you can understand why p- people's reasons. All yeah, this, everybody's right? reasons are different. Here, right. Here's the thing, though. Um, Elizabeth Bruning wrote a terrific article for Mother's Day in the New York Times this year, and she talked about how she's looked down upon by other women who are in, you know, high high profile careers because she had kids so young. Mm-hmm. She had kids when she was, I think, twenty four and twenty five or something. And that's like not that. that young. She has two, right? It's not that young. But compared to the women that she's talking about, women are having kids when they're thirty eight years old, or forty right. years old, or forty two years old. So she looked like she was fifteen to them, right? right? And so she said when she when she announced that she was pregnant, first off, she was afraid to do it because she knew that the women who were in her graduate program would look down on her, mm-hmm. right? And then once she couldn't hide it anymore and she had to tell them, people were incredulous. Like, you're a baby. How could you possibly want to do this? Now, you know, she, I don't know how old Elizabeth is, but she's looking back on it. I think her kids are in high school. And she's saying, look, it was the best thing I ever did to have kids when I was young Interesting. because now my husband and I are still yeah. pretty young. We're able to do a lot of things. You're 42 and you're done. Anyway, but I, I think in, 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 you know, reflecting on her article for Mother's Day, looking at this piece in the New York Times today, it just makes me think that the essence though, uh, and, and I promise you this is the case, for every woman, when you get to the age of 38, if you don't have children, you start to panic. I'm sure it's just the way it is. It is the way it is. But the problem is everything in our culture is saying, don't worry about it. Put it off, put it off, put it off. And you get to that stage. I can't tell you how many people I have known in my life, how many women who have been friends of mine, acquaintances of mine, whatever, who have been on a career path in some regard, get to that point. And it's just Mm -hmm. all out despair, panic, regret. I mean, it's a very complicated thing. And it's very, it's, as a woman, it's easy to think that that's not going to be you and that you'll get to it someday, whatever. And all of a sudden, the day's there and it might not work. It might not happen for you. Yeah. It's very complex. It's really complicated. To be a woman. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I'm so stuck up on the idea of, um, Eyelash extensions. The heck is that? I was thinking John might want to get some. What is an eyelash? Is it just a fake eyelash? I think I want to try eyelash extensions. What does that even mean, eyelash extensions? Well, I can explain it to you if you want. I mean, it's a thing. I mean, it's kind of expensive and you have to do it like regularly. 
I wonder if Word FM would reimburse. Oh, yeah, sure they would. Yes, put that put that somewhere out there. <laughs> Maybe I sh- I'm glad I mentioned it on the air. I think that people in powerful <laughs> positions will have heard and perhaps will reach out and say, yes, of course, we want you to have eyelash extensions. I think it would just be weird. What are like, yeah, like a couple of butterflies on your eyeballs? I don't know. It might, waving in it might the change everything for the ride home. All right. Uh, from eyelash extensions to what is in store for your sons? What are schools and universities teaching about what it is to be a man in the 21st century? It's a Father's Day topic. That's next on The Ride Home. 101.5 WORD. Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music is here on the weekend. With the best new music. New, new, new music from Ann Wilson, My Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Newsboys and Magnetic. Ephesians 6 from Evie McKinney. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Brought to you in part by MGR CPA and Consultants. 101.5 WORD. On the weekend. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash HR. This is a limited offer only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash HR. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. Well, by now, you all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's really a great, very comfortable pillow. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape, and they're made in the USA. Now, for a limited time, MyPillow is offering the premium MyPillows for the lowest price ever. You can get a queen-size premium MyPillow for $29.98. They are regularly $69.98. It's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more. All MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code WORD. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets, or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. Or right now, MyPillow. Dot com. MyPillow.com. I'm a North Hills girl, and I'm proud to serve that community that I've grown up with. Stock Family Dentistry's Dr. Megan Stock. Nobody in my family was a dentist. It was kind of this innate thing planted in my heart since about first grade. And so God leading me down this path, it's been incredible to not only see my passion come to life, but to be able to do it at home is incredible. Exceptional dentistry, compassionate care. Stock Family Dentistry. Perry Highway in Wexford. Visit Stock Family dentistry.com we were just talking about women who are delaying their entrance into motherhood for um a pursuant uh, career and what that looks like, what that means for American culture, what it means for western culture because it, it actually the trend goes far beyond America but we're gonna we're gonna 
I don't know, change paths at this point and talk instead about our sons. Um, I don't have any sons. John's got two. Um, but Alexander Riley has written a piece called What's in Store for Your Sons? He's a professor at Bucknell University and the author of Angel Patriots, The Crash of United Flight 93 and The Myth of America. Interested to talk to you about this, Alexander. Welcome to The Ride Home. Thanks very much for, for inviting me. I'm, I'm pleased to be here. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So, Alexander, you wrote a wonderful piece in First Things, and, of course, you teach a class at Bucknell on this, this whole idea of wokeism in American universities. I mean, and you start this off by, you know, the old uh, Waylon Jennings, Mama, don't let your sons grow up to be cowboys. Babies grow up, right? I mean, yeah, that be that's yeah. beyond the whole scope of what's happening right now. Talk to us about this, what's happening not only at your university, but at many higher education places across the country where men are being disparaged for being men. Very much so. That's uh, Cowboys are no longer allowed in, in university settings. I think that was the, the inspiration behind using the, uh, the Willie and Waylon cut from back in the 80s. When I, that, I was a, a young person when that song was on the radio, so it's sort of in my head. Uh, yeah, I, I'd written a piece a couple of years ago that started a number of, of things that were percolating in, in my head just regarding this phenomenon on how how much this, this this thing that I call wokeism, I don't think I invented the term by any stretch, there are lots of other people who have written on it, but how, how dominant wokeism has gotten as, a, as an ideology in university settings. You want to define, could, Alexander, could you define that for us? How do you, how do you define yeah, wokeism? It's, it's well, it's fundamentally, a, it's a kind of politics. It's an ideology, a way of looking at the world, which is very much centered on identity politics, this, this concern that we have in a lot of cultural elite circles these days to, to turn everything into a game of status hierarchies, who's more victimized and who's, who's victimizing those victims, and then making sense of everything from there. So if you're of, of a particular racial identity or particular sex, gender identity, a sexual identity, that all places you into a hierarchy, and then we can make sense of how we should approach you based on that, uh, th- that set of identities. It's, it's completely against the idea, which I think is much more fundamental in American society, of thinking about people as individuals, right. you know, thinking about people as unique folks who, yeah, they have social identities. Social identities are important parts of who we are, but they're not the entirety. And certainly the way in which the, the wokists make sense of that hierarchy is disputable. So you get all these people like Ibram Kendi and so forth, so forth who, are, who are constantly writing about racial identity as though, you know, in his view, at least so far as I'm able to make sense of it, we're basically still in 1840 in American society today. And blacks are completely subordinate in every way. And they're treated basically in the same way that they were treated 150 or 200 years ago, which, of course, for anyone who looks around in American society and pays any attention, that makes no sense at all. Right. See blacks in positions of, of hierarchy of the hierarchy that are fairly high up. You see plenty of wealthy blacks. You see blacks in positions in, in universities, for example. Uh, as professors and as administrators, but yet this worldview says that no, there, there's a world in which victims are are still being mercilessly crushed by victimizers. And who are the major victimizers? White heterosexual men. Right. So, 
City, what's in store for your sons? And so that's the problem, right? So white, heterosexual, especially European-descendant men, we're the problem. We have crafted the nightmare for the rest of the world to follow along. We reap all the benefits. And in the wokeism of the hallowed halls of universities across the country, there's a target here. And uh, curriculum has been structured to somehow dismantle that and tell the white males that they're the problem. And we're going to tell you exactly exactly how to respond. That's exactly right. The idea is that you're, again, these social identities completely determine how we should make sense of you. One of the things I pointed out in the article, which I I do this in class all the time too, sometimes I use my own example. You know, I'm a a person who came from a single parent, sub-working class family, you know, a family of divorce to speak to the, you were talking a little bit earlier, you said about um, uh, childbearing and and families and so forth. I've written about that as well. So I came from a family that was very much an underprivileged family, went to a working class high school where success in my high school was getting out of high school without committing any major felonies, basically, (laughs) you know, being able to go off into the world. We didn't largely even think about college, although I went to college as the first person in my family. But I'll talk to students and I'll say, so I'm, according to the model of the the wokest philosophy, I'm an oppressor. I've been an oppressor my whole life by my identity. I'm a victimizer of all these people. Uh, But when I think about my own past, you know, I think about growing up, we got welfare when I was a kid, food stamps, all that stuff. So I can, I have those things in my head and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to talk about my own history in this way. And there are a bunch of other kids at Bucknell who have similar histories, working class, white male kids, uh, white male kids who come from immigrant families, all sorts of stuff. That just doesn't make sense. But yet the, the pedagogy is, this is who you are. You're responsible for all the evils in the world. Western culture was produced by, again, all the dead white males. You're, you're their descendant. And so a, a huge amount is done in these settings to try to convince everyone, but especially those white males, to convince them of the fact that you have to endlessly apologize for who you are in this, in this framework which again, may not even be how you feel about who you are. It may not even be your real reality, but you have to accept this. You have to be, you have to have a kind of position of constant guilt and apology and retreat. Uh, God forbid you should ever assert any of the kinds of things that today we talk about as toxic masculinity and so forth. All that kind of stuff is just, you. There, there's, it's an almost impossible position that we put these young men in. And in the piece, I talk about how the reaction of a lot of these men in my classes is just to shut up and sit down in the back right. and try not to have it, not to be involved in any of the conversations, especially the problematic, controversial topics. They don't want anything to do with that because they know it's radioactive from right. their perspective. So a lot of guys just walking around like, okay, uh, I don't want the backlash. I'm going to walk around here with my tail between my legs. Uh, we're talking with Al- Alexander Riley, and uh, we're talking about wokeism on campus, especially for white males and uh, the idea that you have to apologize for being who you are. Alexander, a friend of mine tweeted a while ago, if you were educated in North America in the last five years, congratulations, you're now in debt for learning how not to think and have been indoctrinated into a very stupid ideology where you think taking a pee is a political act. I mean, that's where we are. And, and, and I know this, you know, this conversation to a certain subset, a subset of people is inflaming people at this point. But I believe that this is true, that the pendulum has swung so far the other way. And we all have to sort of genuflect to this new ideology, which in many ways you point out in your first things article has become a new religion. 
it is very much a kind of quasi-religion. I, I think it's that's the vocabulary that a lot of people use. There are a couple of really good new books that have dealt with this topic at, uh, at the, again, at the length of, a, of an entire book-length uh, study. Just to say this is, in some ways, this is the kind of religion that people who have removed themselves from traditional religion, from religion oriented toward a supernatural solution, toward an end times, if you will, solution to the moral problems and to the problem of the meaning of the world. They've, they've eliminated that stuff. So in wokeism, there's no, there is no heaven or hell or a, reckon, a reckoning at the end of time. Uh, everything is to be done here in this world. And so the only way then to make sense of it in those quasi-religious terms is to say our, our task then is to create a social utopia here on earth. How do we do that? According to the tenets of the of the wokest religion, which again has this whole hierarchy of who has suffered and who has not suffered. And so you have to, a, an important part of how you, you demonstrate your status as a member of this quasi-faith is to be, if you are, if you're non-white, non-male, non-heterosexual, to embrace all the things about your identity that are supposed to be victimized, you know, that are the victimized elements. Yes. You, you've incredibly you're you deserve all sorts of things that accrue solely on the basis of your identity but if you're white male heterosexual it's you the only thing you can do is just abase yourself constantly right even there there's no real salvation if you will for you right there's no this in the piece that I, I sent you a link a little well, while that's, ago. Well, that's the problem, right? This is, there's no way out. There's no way, surrender there's, to no, there's no there's no way to ask for forgiveness or, or right. seek restoration. Or okay, but here's my question. And this, so I hear what you're saying and I, I agree with it. I think that the pendulum has swung too far the other way. I know that white males, I, I'm, you know, I work with one, I'm married to one, I'm talking to one. Um, I understand it puts you in a horrible position. At the same time, you know, I, I've got... Uh, black friends who feel like they don't want to institute a woke ideology into Western culture. What they want to do is just have the actual history of what their people have suffered noticed and recognized. Sure. So how do you, how sure. do you, so how do you how do you branch that divide? Is that a, just a difference of language? Do you do you think that you and them have the same uh, approach at heart? Uh, we don't, I fear, because I, I, I agree completely with what you just said. American history and the history of any country, the history of the, the human race, the human species, in fact, is, is full of all sorts of things that we are uncomfortable with and for good reasons. Right? Slavery existed. Slavery still exists in some parts of the world. There are all sorts of awful things that you look at and you go, good Lord, how do you make sense of this? You don't. Um, my position as a, as a professor in a university and something that I've ad advocated uh, avidly for a number of years is just that that's what a, a university is a space in which we're supposed to be able to have that yeah. conversation honestly for sure that, that means honestly means you have to be able every position has to be open to possible criticism including the wokest position and this is where I think the difference emerges between people like myself in universities and the folks who are adherent to the wokest ideology they don't want to hear me in fact mm -hmm. you were just talking a little while ago about how um People get uh, insane reactions just by saying what seem like we mundane things. Wait a minute! I grew up poor as a as a working class white kid. I don't really share that identity. There are people who react to that by going, "That ha you have to shut that down." That right, is that, that's not a valid story Even to tell. To say that that's right. Even to to broach that. One of the things I talked about in the the piece that you that you folks read is um, 
an example from my campus, someone saying that even to question systemic racism as a concept, even to ask, what's the evidence for it? What's the proof? I'm not saying let's not talk about it. I'm saying, what's the evidence? Someone on my campus said, and I think there are a bunch of other people who agree with him on this. He said, even to ask that question, is it self-racist? Right. Right. And so you must shut up and mm-hmm. stop asking those questions. Right. That's the problem. That is, you, it you, is. Okay. People, wokeism says shut up and stop asking questions, whereas mm-hmm. my position is, listen, let's ask more questions, not fewer questions. Yeah, I right. really – I mean anything that says shut up and stop – right. any ideology that says shut up and stop asking questions is – Doomed. Yeah. Okay. So, Alexander, so at the university level, this is happening. Now, my kids, I've got a 21 year old and a 23 year old. They're on Reddit, right? Um, You know, they're on discourse. I mean, they're being, and I would say this, they are being indoctrinated within. You know, we have these conversations over dinner time. And at the same time, they understand. They see me. They know my age. They know my experience as a guy. I grew up in the 60s and the 70s. They see that. So I, right. I see them, and I think that their posture many times, as you're talking about, they're either mute or somehow they're being forced to apologize just for being born into this world. Yeah. I, yeah. With young people, you see it very clearly just how difficult it is to have a thoughtful and complicated position on any of these topics. I have, I don't have any sons uh, uh, either. I, I mean, well, um, Kathy, you said you, 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 you don't have have no. sons and and I, I have two daughters and one of them is a teenager and so i i've had long conversations with her about just how charged some of these topics are again she has she has all sorts of interesting things going on in terms of what she thinks about these topics and again she know john as you were just saying she knows her dad represents this kind of iconoclastic idiosyncratic outside the norm right. position among american professors and so she knows it's perfectly possible to be a, a a sane, normal, non-racist, non-sexist, non-all that stuff, adult white male. And yet she also knows you can't even begin to take on complicated topics because the, the stuff has trickled throughout the entire culture. It isn't just in higher education. In many ways, it began in higher education. I think this is something that I've been interested mm-hmm. as a scholar, tracing how over the last couple of generations, especially beginning in the late 60s, early 70s, a lot of this stuff started to emerge and to, to get institutionalized in particular departments and programs. But it's now well beyond the universities. And it truly so is. These kids, they get it everywhere. They get it in popular culture. They get it in their music. They get it from every corner. It's. I, I sometimes think about this. And I, I, in fact, I had a conversation with some high school friends of mine the other day. And we were, all of us, unanimous about how glad we were that we were young people. Yeah. I hear you. I, and we were all going, thank God no one had phones back then. Right, no exactly. one could hear all the things that we openly talked about because all of us would have been canceled immediately just I'm for being that. normal young boys. Yep. Alexander, we got to end it. But uh, listen, we really appreciate the conversation. You're forthright in this. The article is in the current edition of First Things. What's in store for your sons? Alexander Riley has been with us. He's the author of Angel Patriots, The Crash of, uh, the crash of United Flight 93, and The Myth of America. Alexander, thanks so much for being with us. No, thank you. Our great pleasure. We'll take a quick break. Come back. It's our daily feature, Does This Make Sense? You're listening to Pittsburgh's Christian Talk on the ride home here on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D.
it's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement offer valid through June 30th. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That is windowsrspittsburgh.com. I have a traumatizing childhood memory of an Easter egg hunt. The big hunt was a big deal in our family, and I have this memory of running and excitedly reaching for eggs, only to have my big brother and sister sweep in and steal them at the last second. It's Ryan, and unfortunately, this is a traumatizing reality our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is seeing from families across the country. Families are finding their dream home, only to have it pulled away by another hunter at the last second. At United Faith Mortgage, we unfortunately cannot scare off the other hunters, but we can very quickly get you pre-approved and make it look as good as possible to sellers. And then, once you do grab that Easter egg, see our story and read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Meadow Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Or corporate Animalist number 1335. Rack Animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. This is Greg Trusinski from the original Mattress Factory. Our company's mission is simple, to provide a better mattress and a better mattress shopping experience, all at a great value. We believe you deserve a high-quality mattress at a factory-direct price. We believe you should be able to shop for a mattress without high-pressure sales tactics. And we believe in transparency. You should know exactly how a mattress is made so you can judge its value for yourself. Stop by for a factory tour today to see the OMF difference for yourself. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Clear and cool tonight. A jacket may come in handy. We'll see a low tonight of 46. For tomorrow, brilliant sunshine, a nice day on tap. Great day to be outside. We'll see a high of 76. Partly cloudy skies for tomorrow night with a low of 57. We'll see increasing cloudiness for Friday. We'll reach a high Friday of 79. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Does this make sense? Does what make sense? <laughs> Public transportation in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes, it makes good sense. Does it? Yeah. Okay, I mean, tell I, me about it. Well, I mean, before I could afford a car, 
I regularly dro- took the 61A or the 61B. Okay. And it, it saved me. I mean, I, I think public transportation is a necessary facet mm-hmm. of what it is to live in the city. You can't afford a car, okay, you need well, to get here's, around. Here's the question. What about if you don't live in the city? Well, you still need to get around. You know, owning a car is expensive. Right. A lot of but people can't no afford public, that. What I'm saying is the pu- there's no public transportation when you leave the city. Or there's very little public transportation. Well, then that's the a city. county problem, Well, isn't it? Well, okay, so how about Allegheny County public transport? Does that make sense? Well, it's very expensive to fund something like that, isn't it? Yes. To make it effective. Yes. So it makes sense to have public transportation. It sure does, but I'm, that's not my question. My question wasn't does public transportation make sense. It's does the public transportation in Pittsburgh make sense. In the city of Pittsburgh? You can tell that my answer is no. It makes sense. It does not Why make does sense. Why does it not make Are sense? You Are you kidding, kidding me? me? Listen. What, when you leave the city limits, I live in the North Hills. I'm only eight or nine miles from downtown Pittsburgh. You know how many buses What I there? wouldn't do, you know how long it takes the bus to t- go from where I am to downtown Pittsburgh? About 45 minutes. Why? Exactly. It doesn't make sense. That's what I'm saying. All right. The T. What I'm, I wouldn't give to have a T. Someday. That goes from downtown out to North Hill. That stupid, you know, HOV lane in 279 North. That's Can't we just forget that and just put a high-speed train wouldn't down the nice? center? Maybe someday. We, it doesn't we, make sense. Can I raise your taxes so you can do that? Yeah, I All would right. say yes. All right. Does this make sense? Diet soda. Oh. You want a Diet Coke? You want a Diet Pepsi? Here's what I think. That's a gateway drug. That is a big tease, because if you don't want to drink a Pepsi or a Coke, then you do that. Then you go, well, I'm kind of drinking this. I'm saving on calories. But then after a while, you get a little taste of that thing, and you're falling back into the regular soda. And diet soda, it tastes like a piece of metal stuck somewhere in the back of your throat. You're not going to really enjoy that. Is there any pleasure involved in a diet soda? I don't think there is. You're either going to drink some water or drink the real thing. Does that make sense? Absolutely not. I am on your side completely. I feel like I feel a sense of purpose that you and I are united on this. Job. And you know what doesn't make any more sense? Huh. Trying to take a bus from the North Hills while you're drinking a diet soda. I mean, that's chaos. That's Who fun. the heck even wants that's to do that? when you realize, like, boy, I should have like settled in Boston. Exactly. All right. Live inside the Beltway. It's very short. Have a better transport situation than this. I don't want this to be a complaining session. It that's what like it sounds it like today. I'm session. so sorry for sorry, that. Sorry, I'm really and that sorry. didn't make sense either. 101.5 WORD. When it comes to homosexuality and same-sex marriage, there's no doubt that the culture has shifted. Beliefs once thought to be on the fringe have become mainstream. Does that mean Christians should shift their views as well? John MacArthur shows you what Scripture says about that in a compelling look at homosexuality and the Bible. This week on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. With the world opening back up a bit, I think it's normal to be excited about getting back to trips to the movies, ballet recitals, July 4th parties, everything we missed. But as our team was talking about getting back to those kind of things, it kind of hit us that this is also a big opportunity for maybe some more meaningful things, like taking a meal to that sweet older couple from church or volunteering again, or maybe just taking grandma to brunch or encouraging the neighbor kid with a fist bump. I think that many of us found that while this time was extremely difficult, the downtime also gave us some really good perspective. I just don't want to forget that perspective. Our team is challenging ourselves to not just go back to the movies, but to also remember it's an opportunity to try to love others like he loved us. 
And to remember that being slow and enjoying the little moments is kind of cool. Maybe you'll join with us. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court in Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Don't let pests scare off your returning customers. Get the help you need at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Booze 100% Satisfaction Guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Learning has definitely changed these days. What hasn't changed is the unwavering support parents received from their local Christian school. Many were quick to adapt to the new normal with remote classes taught by caring teachers who pray for students and their families every day. With many schools offering half-price tuition for first-time enrollees, like Portersville Christian School in Portersville, PA, it's a great time to consider Christian education. Find a school that's right for you at wordfm.com slash tuitions. This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life and Legacy Show, you will find it archived at secularlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show. guilt like a hair shirt you do i do yeah you do there's just and i believe you know i i don't know if this is true or not but you know growing up roman catholic there's something about that you and of think? course well I, I yeah i do believe that's true okay. I, I think short of you know people of the jewish faith they themselves are a guilty uh, people as well mm. but there's something about growing up that way um, that uh, was instilled in me. And I don't know what that is. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I was, you know, abused by the, the hands of my mother and father. No, no, of course not. It's just a for, it's a formation type of thing. Right. right. But I, I do. I wear okay, that. Okay, so I, um, I have a little bit of that, not from a Catholic upbringing, but um, this is kind of interesting. I've thought about this a lot over the last couple of years since my parents passed away, um, that when I was growing up, I was never spanked, not a single time. Ever. And instead, you're giving a stern talking to. It was okay. Well, you know what? Uh, my dad would say, uh, "We're going to have a meeting mm. at 7 p.m. Oh, jeez, tonight." And that the worst. And that would be at 2:30. Oh. Uh-huh. Okay. So and you know so it's coming. You, and this happened when I was five. Right. Or all, that happened all the time. You know, whenever. So. But at least you know, physical violence was not. No, coming of upon course you. not. There was no, and I'm not. I'm not trying to say that I. It was horrible. It. Well, all I'm saying is it was. It was formational, right? right? Is that it made it so that I didn't want to disappoint my parents. That was much more of a thing than I was going to feel guilty. I just knew that I didn't. I would do anything to avoid the meeting, because right. the meeting was going to be. So, what do you think you did? You know, it was very forthright and painful, and who wants to live through that? Right. So, so you, so I, I would do whatever I had. I was the to best. Avoid the meeting. I was the best kid I could possibly be, just to avoid the meeting. That's interesting. Okay. All right. Now, so I, on the other hand, you know, would act up. Sure. And then, you know, took a little hit there, 
But I always always had that overriding thing of, and again, I don't know if this is a you know a Catholic grade school education where I was taught by the nuns at an early age, and you know you could feel the finger wagging in right, your face, right, right, and right, right, uh, right, right, right. there was just guilt, 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 guilt. I remember uh, this is this is uh, elementary childhood theology that um, one of the nuns told me that you know when you sin, think of your think of your soul as a sin. Or think of your soul, I'm sorry. Think of your soul as a house. As a house, okay. And when you sin, your house is in disarray. So, you know. So you want to clean it up. The kitchen's dirty, the chair's out. And I remember being like in high school and reflecting back on what that nun told me. And I thought, I have sinned so much. My house is not in disarray. My house is burnt to the ground. It has been a charred (laughs) ball of ash. It is. And would feel guilty, you know. but, you know, but there's something about guilt that is also powerfully positive. Yeah, I think so. That's th- necessary. Yeah, I think that it's not a bad thing that we need to escape all the time. Right. I think it's something that we need to put in its proper place, though, because if we don't, then you're a living example of sometimes it just takes over. Right. Well, uh, we saw a piece at the Gospel Coalition that says, uh, say no to the gospel of self-forgiveness. John Beeson is with us. John serves as co-lead pastor at New Life Bible Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona. He attended Gordon Conwell, Gordon College and Princeton Theological Seminary. And uh, John joins us today. John, welcome to the show. Please don't be uh, guilty about anything here. <laughs> Thanks for having me, John and Kathy. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, you know, John and I were sharing our different, you know, viewpoints about how guilty, upbringing, upbringing, guilty we feel based on how our, you know, our parents handled uh, disciplining us and that sort of thing. Um, But, you know, as we go through life, there are often things that are, you know, not imagined, things that we actually have done or left undone that can keep us up at night for years. Uh, and you know, keeping us up at night is the nicest thing it does to us. It, it drives people into, you know, deep emotional distress, um, even clinical problems. Uh, John, how do we deal with the fact that we're living in a culture that says that the number one thing we need to do is forgive ourselves? And we can't. Yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting thing. It, it feels humble. Self-forgiveness feels humble. Uh, many people will say, you know, I've, I've accepted God's forgiveness. I've, I've asked for forgiveness from somebody else, but I just can't forgive myself. Yeah. And that, that feels like a very humble thing to do. It, it's almost like the, the, the penance whip, you know, mm-hmm. of, of old, that, um, that, that there's something that feels very um, humble, religious, righteous about that. And yet it's not biblical. It's, it does not take into account what the transaction of forgiveness actually is, a transaction uh, between us and God and a transaction between us and others. And actually, ironically, it's, it's actually the, the most proud thing we can do because we, we actually put God and others underneath ourselves because it's, it's never that, you know, I, God won't forgive me but I've forgiven myself. It's always that God has forgiven me, which means that his, his grace is cheaper than mm. my offer of grace. Uh, when in reality, uh, the most expensive forgiveness that's ever been purchased is through Jesus Christ um, on our behalf before yeah. God. So, and that's the only payment that's needed. John, in the piece, say no to the gospel of self-forgiveness. You, you talk about two kinds of forgiveness, the horizontal and vertical. Explain that. 
Yeah, so uh, and I'll start with the horizontal piece because that's an important piece. Um, sometimes Christians actually skip over that piece. You know, I've, I've received forgiveness from God, so, so, so I'm good to go. But it's important, uh, biblically speaking, there, there has to be um, us going one to another. Uh, if, if in any way my sin has affected another person, uh, if, if I'm viewing pornography, that's not just between me and God. That's, that, that impacts my wife. That impacts the church that I'm at. That, that impacts all sorts of people horizontally that I need to ask forgiveness for. Um, and then obviously vertically is the most important piece of that. Uh, against you and you alone have I sinned, sin. says David, who just raped a woman and killed her husband. But ultimately, that is that is the linchpin of what our forgiveness is, is that vertical forgiveness between us and God. We're talking to John Beeson about a really terrific article. It's really thought-provoking to me um, that he wrote for the Gospel Coalition called Say No to the Gospel of Self-Forgiveness. Um, John, you pose a vital question here in your piece. It says, can you point to one example in Scripture of someone forgiving themselves? Right. Indeed. Yeah. I, I've, uh, it, it, it's, it's us layering on our own understanding of what, you know, contemporary psychology is to, to add in that element of self-forgiveness. It does not help happen in scripture. Okay. So what you're saying then is if I have done something that is keeping me up at night is driving me to have to take, you know, uh, over the counter or prescribed medication. Um, I have clinical problems. I can't get past this one thing that I did. Um, you're saying, and this was really, I, I highlighted this, I, I um, underlined it, your shame and guilt does not depend on your ability to forgive yourself. That's really good, yeah. John. Flesh that out for us. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I think if we're struggling with, with being kept up at night with that question of, I, I can never be forgiven for, I can never be forgiven for the abortion I had. I can never be forgiven for uh, the, the way that I, I, I just treated uh, my, tr- my child or for uh, my sexual sin or, or whatever it is, right? Um, the, the, question, the question that we need to ask is, what's, what's preventing me from receiving forgive, the forgiveness of God? Now, I'll just pause and go back to the horizontal piece because there may be those horizontally that we need to ask forgiveness for. And that, and that trigger of shame might be because we haven't Done stepped that. into mm-hmm. those relationships yeah. and we need to, yeah. we, we need to do that. We can't skip that. But ultimately if, if we've done that, if, if we've repented before who we need to repent for on, on this earth, then it's just a question of, will you receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that's been offered to you by his own blood? Mm-hmm. Um, and to not receive that, again, that, that's not that's not a. That, that's you're not, not taking the, you're not taking the moral humility. high ground there. Exactly, you are you you're being proud that Jesus's blood is not sufficient for you and your sin, and that is never the case. It's never ever ever the case. John Beeson, say no to the gospel of self forgiveness. John, uh, before you leave us, uh, take a second and talk about your blog, The Beehive. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love uh, it, it, the beehive.live is, is where you can find me. 
it's an extension of my pastoral ministry. And so I write as a pastor. I write for first, but the first group is, is my own congregation um, with a heart to shepherd their hearts uh, in, in ways in which the, the 30 minutes allotted to me on a Sunday morning uh, doesn't, doesn't allow. allow. That's good. And, <laughs> and so if, if there's any benefit uh, for those um, beyond my congregation, then I hope that that's there as well. Um, but I, I'd love if you, uh, if you find me there. Terrific, John. Subscribe. I'm sorry. We got to close you out because yeah. we're short on time. That's Thank John you. Beeson. Uh, find him at the beehive. That's where he blogs. Thanks so much for being with us today, John. Yeah, John Appreciate it. Say no to the gospel of self-forgiveness. It's online at the gospel coalition. We'll take a break. Come back. Uh, the Saturday night market returns to Pittsburgh. That's next. You're on the ride home. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. You have a special event coming up in your life, a shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods, then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm fresh catering from the Springhouse. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima tax relief they have an a-plus rating with the better business bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible don't mess with the irs for tax help you need for tax help you can trust call optima now for a free consultation call 800-965-1433 800-965-1433 optima tax relief some restrictions apply for complete details please visit optimataxrelief.com don't let pests scare off your returning customers. Get the help you need at oozebugstoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly or quarterly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Boo's 100% satisfaction guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at boozebugstoppers.com. Nobody should have to pay for one-size-fits-all insurance coverage. Liberty Mutual customizes your car and home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Hi, this is Robert Jermalowski, owner of Doing It Right Roofing, Siding, Remodeling. Looking for a new roof or siding upgrade? Call us for a free estimate at 724-NEW-ROOF or visit roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com.
Here's more good news about post-COVID life here in Western Pennsylvania. For the next five months, Saturday evenings of music and shopping will once again fill Market Square downtown. The night market returns this Saturday after missing last year because, of course, the pandemic. The night market runs this Saturday through October 30th, 5 o'clock to 10 o'clock every Saturday night. The event will feature music and shopping with a rotation of more than 60 vendors selling handmade goods such as crafts and jewelry, fine art, fashion, photography, international food as well. And like in past years, there will be live musical performances in collaboration with co-presenters such as Driving While Black Records, Manchester Craftsman's Guild, MCG Jazz, and Mr. Small's Theater, which will also bring the opening night act featuring Hollywood, Victor, Albedino, and other acts uh, at the market. Isn't that cool? I love it. Me too. Thank It makes goodness. me feel like it's summer again. Have you been there? And that, uh, no, I never have. Oh, it's a great event. No. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's one of, you know how hard it is. You know how you, you look downtown. around and you're like, how? It's not, not hard to get downtown. But yeah, when you hear about things that you can't, you're embarrassed you've never been to. Oh, don't be embarrassed. Or don't feel guilty. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. John. I appreciate that That's, enlightened sorry. perspective you have. All right. Yeah. It's because you were paying attention to the ride home today. <laughs> anyway, hey. I um, still, I do really want to go there. Yeah, good. All right, get down there. And I mean, it's beautiful. And it's supposed to be beautiful on Saturday, too. Yeah. Uh, we're up and running the podcast. Yeah. Podcast is up and running. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts. We're in a whole bunch of different places. So just look for the ride home there. You can also watch the program. Uh, if you log on to Facebook later tonight, you want to check out any guest or some of our, uh, you know, does this make sense? Cause it doesn't usually, it doesn't um, but we're always happy to have you with us. And if you want to make any comments on the live stream, I'm always happy to answer as well. So all of you have a great evening. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.